Hey, good morning to everybody here this morning. It is wonderful to have you with us this Sunday morning. And a happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to each of you. Uh, we are so thankful to uh, any of you. I, I'm not sure how many of you may have served in our milita military, but we say thank you to you. Um, thank you to each. Yeah. We, we are so thankful for those of you that have served. Some of you may have children that are away serving right now. And uh, we, we are so thankful for the nation that we have, the freedoms that we have. And it is great to be able to join together this morning and, and I guess celebrate that together um, and also celebrate the freedom that we have to join together and worship together, right? Aren't we thankful for that, that we can come in and do that? Um, a huge thank you this morning, even as Rita said, thank you to... Andrea, Andrew, and Abby, all right, the three A's right there for leading this morning. Yeah, we like that. And then over here, um, I, I was calling Lane Bill, so Bill, no, Lane and Mason, even as uh, we are so, as Reed mentioned, thank you to them for leading us this morning, coming together. They did a great job. We are so happy to have them here with us this week and leading us as we, as we bring ourselves together in worship this morning. Hey, um, so back, back to this idea right here of uh, Independence Day. We are so happy for that, and we, we celebrate independence. But um, one of the things that happens when, when we come together and we celebrate today, sometimes, sometimes there is a lot of division, all right, even within our country, right? Have any of you noticed that? It wasn't a trick question. Right? Um, yeah, we can, so, we can sometimes be divided, can't we? The United States can be the not-so-United States always. And, and, we, and we let, um, ah, how, how do I say this carefully? We let our ideology, right? We, we, let, um, we let our sense of what we know is right, and I know what is right, all right? And sometimes that can, that can divide us from those that don't know what is right, correct? Are any of you like me? You're like, we don't know what you believe, so we're not certain we're going to say that we're agreeing with you yet. So which side of the, right? But uh, we, can become, we can become divided by those, by those letters, right? That letter R and that letter L, right? That, both of those. We can look and say all those terrible Republicans, they're all, right? We, we can look at that and you're just like, oh. Or we can look and say all those Democrats, right? And we have to bite our tongue. We can say, uh, oh, Fox News, CNN, no, 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 and we can, we can, we can end up being divided. And, uh, and, in, that, and in that division, I, I, I want to talk to us this morning just a little bit. We're, we're going to be following up on our, on our series that we started a couple weeks, uh, that we started last week, but I want to follow up on th this idea right here. Sometimes, sometimes we forget what unites us. And a day like today when we come out together and we celebrate Hopefully we, we can be united in the fact that, you know what, we have the freedom to come and worship together. Sometimes we have these differences, and it, and it doesn't make it, it doesn't, the extreme right, the extreme left, and we can be right on whichever side it is that we're on and firmly believe that we're right. And sometimes we allow, we allow our beliefs to drive a wedge between us and between other people. And if you're here this morning, um, it, it means that you are either a Christ follower or you are someone who is at least interested in things of Christianity. Uh, you don't come into a church on July 4th on a Sunday morning um, without saying, you know what, I'm either a follower of Christ or, you know what, I want to know more about Christ. I want to know more about him. All right, it wasn't, it, you weren't confused that, oh, I, I, I didn't realize it was a church, right? You, you weren't confused when you came in. You were aware that it's a church. Um, 
when, when we get divided, sometimes within Christianity, we can become divided as well. But one of the things that we need to be reminded of in our, in our lives on a, on a regular basis is I, I, used to have a, I used to have a really big problem, and it was a problem that would lead to death. And you had that same problem. And, and our problem was sin. And you see, we were separated from God. There was a division. There was a wedge. There was, a, there was rape between us. Our sin separated us from God. And Christ, all right, Christ died on the cross, why? So that we could be reconciled, all right? So that there could be a reconciliation between us and God. Christ was that reconciliation. His death on the cross separated from God. Now, you say, but how does that deal with a world of politics and everything like that? Um, sometimes we forget that, that we were on the wrong side of God's grace, and sometimes we, we reason it away with this, but I was never really that bad. So, I mean, there's bad people that Christ really had to die for, and then there's me, right? And I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, I was, I was, what's the worst thing I've done? You know, I talked back to mom and dad. I lied maybe a couple of times. Really, how, how bad am I, right? I mean, you, you should see the guy that lives down the street from me. For some of you, you should see the guy down the aisle from me. You don't know about him, right? Right now, that, that's right. But, uh, but we forget, we forget that, it, that our sins separated us from God. Adam and Eve in the garden, it was choosing a fruit, right? How bad is that? I mean, that's healthy. They weren't even dip, dipping it in chocolate or anything like that, right? How, how, really, how, how bad was that? And yet it's separation from God. Why? Because our sin is a choice that we want to be our own gods. We want to set ourselves up as our own God. And we become separated. And, 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 my, and my thought as we join together this morning, as we come together this morning, we're going to celebrate the word of God, but we are celebrating on, on this morning, we're celebrating the independence of a nation, a nation that said, you know what? We think, we believe a group of individuals that came together and said, we want to pursue what? Liberty. We want to pursue freedom. We want to pursue a world where individuals have the freedom to worship as they choose, the freedom to do things that they want to do, where they are governed by God and where government is held in, in check there, right? Um, and, and through that process, we, we celebrate that. And, and I just encourage us, be, be careful what we allow to divide us. Have grace. You see, once upon a time, there was a Jewish rabbi who walked the earth and died on a cross. Why? So that we could be reconciled with him. You see, the ideas of our nation were brought together in order so that we could, um, so that, so that we could become, come together as a nation and celebrate freedoms. And one of our, one of our early um, founding fathers, one of uh, those that wrote that constitution, I know the constitution is after the Declaration of Independence. We celebrate the Declaration, excuse me, of Independence today. But our constitution came a little bit later after lots of work, after lots of, after lots of minds and time doing work to bring it together. One of our, one of our founding fathers said these words right here. He said, he said this when he, um, as, as, well, I guess he said blank. Um, at some point, it'll come up here, I think. We, I hope we work. There we go. Our Constitution was made only for a moral 
and religious people. Thank you very much. I was picking on John back there. I should not pick on him. He has the control. He has the ability to control whether my brain works or doesn't work right here, right? So thank you, John. Big round of applause to him. Say, don't cut me off. Yeah, exactly. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious <laughs> people. <laughs> don't laugh at him. It'll only encourage him. Huh? There you go. It's wholly inadequate just imagine if he bumps everything around all over the place here. Well, you could be confused all morning. All right, I was just talking to somebody else. They were saying, Joel, you get off track. You get too, you're too easily off track. I'm like, yeah, I know. It doesn't take a whole lot. All right, don't. And my friend up here, he thinks that's really funny. That's nice. That's nice. Um, anyway, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Look at what he said. This, now, now remember, this wasn't, this wasn't stated by somebody two weeks ago, two years ago, ten years ago. This was stated by somebody, all right, John Adams, who was all the way back there writing it, okay? He was one of those that's working on this. And he says, our constitution was made by, only for moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate. Imagine finishing the work on the constitution. You're all done. It's an inadequate document. How is it? It's completely inadequate right? It's an inadequate document, really, to the government of any other. So what's he talking about? Moral and religious people. And that's where we come into play. Why? Because we join together as a church. We join together as a group of, of Jesus followers or those who are wondering about following Jesus, right? And as we join together, that's where we need to come in. Why? Because we need to be those moral and religious people. I'm careful because I don't like the term religion, because religion can be, we, we can get the idea that if we do enough things that we earn our way to God. So I am always nervous about that. But in this, but in this sense and in the use of it, it is, it's a, it's a group of people, what? That hold to the belief that there is a higher power, that there is somebody that is more powerful. There is somebody stronger. What does it ultimately mean? A respect and honoring of authority. Why? Because we believe that God is the final authority. And sometimes we lose track of that, and it can become difficult in our lives, and we, and we fall back. So as we celebrate our nation, as we celebrate this independence that we have, be thankful, celebrate that, and, uh, and enjoy the nation that we have. Say thank you to those around us that serve, that give of their lives, that give a part of their time to go and honor our nation and celebrate the freedoms that we have. We are looking this morning at a series that, is called, uh, that we have called The Good Work, and it is uh, found out of the book of Nehemiah. And I actually think it works very well back into this desire, into what we are looking at. Because Nehemiah, as we started this last week, Nehemiah had a vision. He had a dream. And the dream that, that Nehemiah had was he had heard a report about his homeland. And when I say his homeland, it was his ancestors' homeland. To the best of our knowledge, Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem. All right, we don't know that for certain, but we, Nehemiah had grown up in Susa over in Persia. All right, that's where he'd grown up. There's no reason to believe that he had been back to Jerusalem, but it's, we, we don't know that, but we assume that he was not. All right, but Nehemiah gets a report from some of those that, are, that were back in Jerusalem, and they tell him about the city, and they tell him that it's destroyed. It's all, the walls are knocked down. It's in terrible ruin. The people back there are struggling. Life is very difficult. The economy is terrible. It is a broken nation, all right? And as Nehemiah hears this report, he gets a vision in his head, a vision in his mind of a good work. And this good work that he wants to do is he wants to go back and he wants to do work and restore, rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. 
provide some protection. The temple has been rebuilt. Ezra did that just a generation earlier. All right. So this, this has been rebuilt, and he wants to go back. Why? Because in order to worship their God, in order to worship freely, really within Judaism, without the temple, all right, without the practice of temple at that time for them, how do they practice? Read, read the Old Testament law. There's going to be struggle without the Old Testament temple. So he wants to go back, my people, my ancestors. So remember, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. So he goes to the king and says, king, you know what? I have a desire. How is it that I can live here in, in this city and serve you, O king, when my ancestors, the land of my ancestors, it's broken down. The wall is destroyed. It's in ruins. King, I would like to go back. And he makes this, he makes this request of the king. And if you remember from last week, he was nervous. He was afraid. Why? Because he's asking the king for something. And he's like, I don't know how it's going to go out. But God's hand was upon Nehemiah. And the king said, yeah, go do it. Not only am I going to allow you to do it, I'm going to give you the resources that you need to do it and the authority that you need to do it. And he sends him back to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to think about that vision right there. Bring that into 245, day, 245 years ago, right? Now, some of you, you might be entrepreneurs and you might say, hey, you know what? I want to start a business. Some of you may be looking and say, hey, I want to start a family. Some of you may be looking and saying, hey, I want to start a new job. Some of you may be looking and saying, I want to start retirement, right? Um, But there were individuals that said, we want to start a country, right? How big is that? How big of a desire is that? We want to start a country, all right? How many of you are thinking that's on your list right now? We we want to start a country. Yeah, we want, right? Maybe, maybe we don't want to hear your thoughts, your desires right now. But, but anyway, that was their desire. Nehemiah's desire was to go back. I want to go back and restore some of the national pride that my country had, right? I want to go back and I want to restore the walls around Jerusalem. And that's where we pick up our story this morning, that Nehemiah has gone back, all right? So he had this vision. He had this great goal. He had this great dream of doing the good work. And as he goes, and as he gets us, he goes back to Jerusalem, and we're going to just look at Nehemiah chapter 2. I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. We will have the verses up here as well. Um, But Nehemiah chapter 2 is what we are going to be looking at. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11, it says this right here. So I went to Jerusalem. Nehemiah, that is, went to Jerusalem, and after staying there for three days, I set out during the night, all right, with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So, we're in, so Nehemiah has given us insight right away into that I have not told anybody what it is that we are looking to do. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So he's going out at night. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall, towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on. See, he continues on toward the fountain gate in the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. Nehemiah tells us what he did. He goes back and he is going to take a look at everything that is there. He wants to take a look. He goes out and he, he hasn't told anybody what his purpose is for being back. But he gets them out, goes out. Now, just as an aside here, I just want to tell you, as, as we read down through all that information, Nehemiah 
writes and gives detail. Do we care about what jackal gate or dung gate, um, right? Do we care? You're like, I don't know. I'm scratching my head. I, okay. Nehemiah gives great detail. You know why he gives great, de- great detail? Because he wasn't writing a document that, he, that people would be reading 2,500 years later. He was writing a document, probably, possibly a diary for himself, knowing. But he was writing a diary and possibly information so that people that read it, what? In a year? 10 years, 20 years, how about 400 years, 450 years in the time of Christ? They read it, and they would know exactly where all those things were. It's one of the things that amazes me about Scripture. Scripture gives detail. The, writer, the writers of Scripture give detail. They give detail, why? Because they were there at the time. Oftentimes, we hear the criticism, well, Scripture, there's, there's nothing, we, we don't know when that was written. It was written 700 years later. It was written 500 years later, 400 years later. Um, the writers of Scripture give detail because they wanted those that were there to know. Go back and check. You can look at the detail. Nehemiah writes this detail. Why? Because he was out riding around it, and he's like, oh, I went over to this spot. It was too narrow of an area. I couldn't even get through with, I couldn't even get through with my mount. I had to dismount. We had to walk around. All right? That's how bad the that's how bad the walls were. That's what Nehemiah is letting us know. He is giving detail. Scripture does that time and time again. Detail for us so that we would know. Nehemiah continues in verse 16. He says this. The officials did not know. They did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials, or any others who would be doing the work. Nehemiah had kept his information to himself. He had a vision. He had a desire. He had a dream. He had something that he wanted to pursue with others, that he wanted to go out there and do. But he's going out and he's, and he's reviewing. He's taking a look at what do we have? What's the situation? How bad is it? I've been told that it's in ruin. I am looking at it now, and I see the ruin that it is in. When you and I are in the midst of trouble, when we are in the midst of a struggle, when we are in the midst of difficulties, one of the things that we need to do in our life is we need to be willing to look back and enter into the rubble. Right? We need to be able to see that there is rubble that exists there, and we need to be willing to turn back and go back and say, look, right here, I am going to enter into this rubble and see what is going on in my life so that I can move forward. You see, facing our past and present can be a painful process. That's our, that's our next point that we have right there with it. That facing our past and our present can be a very painful process. It can be painful in your life. It can be painful in my life. But if we want to see the situation for what it's worth, we need to know that we need to go back and look into the rubble. We need to look at the trouble and see what got us into this situation. Why? Because if we don't ever take a look, this is what happens to us. We jump right back into the same situation again. Take a look at the rubble in your life. Nehemiah gives us great insight. He is a great leader, but not only is he a great leader, he is someone that is great at casting vision to the other people there. But why is he able to do it? He goes back, and when he is looking, he is looking at a physical wall that is broken down. He is looking at a city that has been destroyed by looting, looting, and looting 
for over 100 years. People walking in, whatever they want to take, oh, hey, there, we need this, we'll take this with us. Oh, we need this, we'll take that with us. And just destroying the city. It was destroyed, why? Because they were carried off in captivity to start with, but then continually because people are going to go take whatever we need. There's nothing there to protect the city. And as we go through our lives, we need to be individuals that are willing to face our past, face our present, but we need to realize that it can be a painful process. We go through that in our Christian walk, right? In our Christian walk, if we're not careful, we can look back at our past, and what does Satan want to do? He wants to grab onto you, and he wants to let you know that your past controls you. Remember what you did back here? You can't be a follower of Christ because of that. You can't do great things for God. Look at what you've done back here. Look how bad you were. He can do that just this week. Look what you did this week. Look at the way you behaved. And we get trapped. We get caught. Because our past becomes something that we can't deal with. And yet Nehemiah is going back and he's looking around. He's taking a look at it. Because why? He is going to move forward in the process. He is going to continue on. And one of the things that we need to know that when we look at our past, when we look at our present, and when we see what is there, we need to be individuals that realize that we do not, you do not, I do not, we do not have to face the trouble. We do not have to face this rubble alone, but rather there, we can go forward in this. And Nehemiah is going to do that. Nehemiah doesn't just face the rubble alone, but rather he continues on. This is what Nehemiah does. In verse 17, he says this, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and this is the them. These are the officials. These are the those are the people around him that he is grabbing onto. The Jews that see him come back and are like, "Why are you back here? What are you doing?" And he and he gets all of them together. You see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. He looks at the situation. Do you see what it is? They're well aware of what it is. Yeah, it's destroyed. It's not a good place to live. It's not a good place to raise our family. It's not the way that we want to that we want to go here. But then he paints something for him. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. There's that idea of Nehemiah taking a look at the situation that he's in and then casting something out there saying, hey, we can do better. We can rebuild the wall and we can no longer be a disgrace. That's Nehemiah's mind. He also told them about the gracious hand of his God, right? He continues on. I told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. He gives them the rest of the story. Listen, when I was back in Susa with the king, all right, I'm the cupbearer to the king and I went in and I talked to the king and you know what? I said, king, we need this. And the king was gracious to me and he gave me all this, this ability saying, go and redo, do what it is that you desire to do. I give you permission. I give you the authority because the gracious hand of, the God, of God was on him. Last week, um, as we closed out our message, it was, we have the king of kings. And sometimes we don't want to go to him. And sometimes we don't want to go to him because we look back at our past and we see the mess that we've made. Sometimes we don't want to go to him because, well, I'm just somebody small and maybe God isn't. We don't want to go to him maybe because of our own pride, maybe because we're lazy, we can come up with different reasons for why we don't want to go to him, but we have a God who is ready to work on our behalf. Are we willing to go to him? They replied. Nehemiah paints this story, and, he, and then they reply, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Isn't that amazing? 
they begin the good work. Why? Because for they are they are ready. They they have seen the vision. They have seen. Hey, let's get Jerusalem back into its form. There's nobody here that's super style, that is a superstar. Um, they don't have any of the huge machinery. You're going to see that in the in the next message. But I, I want you to know. There's no superstars. There's nobody there that, ooh, well, this guy's really good at construction. He's the one that's going to build the wall, right? He's going to take care of it. There's no Donald Trump there to build the wall, right? There you go. Thanks. Okay. Anyway, I, I shouldn't have said that. But any, um, anyway, right, to get this started, think about this in your life and in my life. I, I, I every once in a while, um, do some marriage counseling with um, people that are looking to get married. Um, I have some people that, that know me and have asked me to marry them. And one of the things that, that you do in marriage counseling, or that I, that I try to do in marriage counseling anyway, is, is I want them to look back at their family. Because one of the things that you come into when you come into your marriage is you come in with expectations. You come in with thoughts. This is how things were in my family growing up. And some people think, well, it's going to be the same way when we get married, right? And their spouse has no idea what those expectations are because for those years of growing up, that has all been what's designed in your mind. And all of a sudden, the other one thinks, well, what do you mean? I, that's not the way it works with me. I mean, with, with me and my wife, I'm just looking at them. I say, no, you do all the work. I just sit around and do nothing. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? That wasn't my dad, so I shouldn't say it that way. That makes my dad sound. But, uh, right? Isn't that the way? Dad, you do it all. I can't work. I'm, I'm too, I, right? No, I'm, I'm joking. But you come in with different expectations. Let me pick on one that's a little more familiar with you. What if one of you is a spender and one of you is, let's say, a little more frugal with finances? How's that go? Mm-hmm. There you go, right? Very little quiet. Wake up. You hear this? Listen up on this one, right? Right? Um, don't do that. But suddenly you have a little, little difference. One's a spender, one, right? There's something that's going on there and we need to get a grip on that sometimes. Why? Because Guess what? The spender will spend us in. As a matter of fact, the spender right now, can I tell you what the spender's doing right now? They're like, this guy's kind of boring. I'm getting my credit card out and I'm going to buy something. Ooh, I like this. It's worth of July sales out there, right? And they're buying. And guess what, the, guess what the saver's doing right now? He's got his phone out saying, nope, no Tillamook ice cream this week. He's putting a lock right down on that phone right away. Tillamook ice cream is an inside joke for me. I don't know if any of you are fans of that. I am a big fan. It's at Wegmans. It's delicious. If you buy more there, um, just let them know that, uh, to give me credit for it. But, but right, the, the non-spender is putting the lock on their phone right now saying, nope, not doing that. Nope, not doing that. Right. And can I tell you what you need? If you're not cautious, you need help. Right? Sometimes we need help. If, if it's, if it, let me rephrase that. If it's a battle in your family, you need help. Why? Because your past and your present are showing up in your today. And what are they doing? They're causing problems for you. And you need to be cautious with that. I, I don't really know um, what the situation may be in your life that you need to go back and take a look at the rubble of and see. But Nehemiah, in this physical building of a wall, went back and took a look at a wall that needed to be rebuilt. And in doing so, as he goes around the process, as he goes around the work, he says, this is what we are going to do. And he casts a vision and he lets the other people know so that what? So that they can join the good work together. Sometimes we think that it's all about me. I will do the good work. Let me do it. Just jump on my back. And sometimes we need to cast that vision out there. And sometimes we need help from those around us. People that are further down the road. People that can see what it is that needs to be seen. You see, sometimes the walls start to break down and division starts to set in. 
It can happen on a personal level. It can happen on a corporate, on a church level. It can happen on a national level. And we let division set in and we allow it to tear us apart. And we need to be reminded that the good work that is going on, the good work that Nehemiah said, let's start, started with an evaluation. And it started with casting a vision to people. The good work that's at work in your life and in my life took a Savior, as I mentioned at the beginning, dying on a cross. Why? So that we, can be, so that we could be reconciled to God. You see, the good work that we may want to be about may be something great. It may be something as great as what I mentioned last week with World Vision. And, uh, and, and Mark Pierce, I believe it is, it started World Vision. It may be something smaller, such as restoration in your family, such as restoration in your life. But you see, the good work involves the work of our Lord in our lives. Why? Because he is about bringing us back together, not about division and separating. As our band members get ready to come back up, I, I just want to close this morning by saying if there is something in your life that you are allowing to separate you from others, maybe it's politics. Maybe in your life it's a sin that separates you from others. Maybe in your life it's heartache, it's bro brokenness. Maybe it's time to remember even those words that Andrea mentioned earlier about going to God and seeing a situation even as in her family that's coming back together. I think, is that how you worded that? Am I saying that correctly there? Where God is taking that battle, taking what the enemy meant for evil, and he's turning it for good. We want to be about this good work. What's the good work in your life? One of them is honoring God. Let's pick out those good works in our life that God has set, set aside for us, and let's be about that. Hey, I'm going to close with a word of prayer, but I just want to say I, I hope you have a great 4th of July. I hope you are so thankful for this nation that we live in, for the freedoms that we have, that we are able to join together here. Why? Because there were a number of people hundreds of years ago that joined together for a glorious cause. How about we join together to continue a glorious cause, a glorious work here in God's church, right here together. Pray with me if you would. Thank you. Pray with me. God, as we close our time out this morning, I, I say thank you that you are a gracious God. Lord, I say thank you that you have brought us together this morning here. God, we are not perfect people, but we are people who have a God who is perfect and we are people who have a, have a Savior who died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to him. May we not forget that, the grace that it took to save us. Lord, we say thank you. God, we say thank you for our country. Thank you for the freedoms that we have. Thank you for the men and women who serve today to maintain the freedoms, the hope that we have as a nation, the hope that we have as a people. May we, as your chosen people here, may we do our part and not being those who are divisive and bring division, but may we do our part to the best of our ability through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
to be those who unite. God, I say thank you for each one here. I pray that you might bless, encourage them. Go with us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.